0: last thing I don't know how to start the show yeah you do what
1: should I say well I'm gonna keep this audio now so we can use it to start the
0: show welcome to the body pod I'm Elena and I'm Justine this is a podcast where we talk to real people with real stories about their very real relationship with their bodies we touch on diet culture body acceptance finding food freedom and everything in between So grab a cocktail or some snacks and join
1: us here every other Tuesday for new stories, new topics, and a big dose of body love. Hey guys, Justine here with a quick message before this episode begins. Now, Elaine and I both recorded our interviews before the murder of George Floyd on May 25th. And we recognize that that tragedy served as a catalyst for the recognition of systemic racism, police brutality, and inequality in America. And we want to recognize the importance of diversity in the Black Lives Matter movement today and right now. Now, the world obviously doesn't need another podcast that's just two white women talking about their bodies. So we are committing to making this a diverse podcast that elevates voices from different races, gender identities, abilities, and backgrounds. And we also want to commit to educating ourselves and continuing to check in with ourselves about what we are doing to help this movement continue because this isn't a short-term issue and we want to make this a long-term conversation so we can make long-term change. So we hope you'll stick around for that and we also hope you'll do your part as well um, because it's really important and we just want to come on here and make sure that we're doing our part to really make this movement what it should be. Now that we've covered that, I hope you'll stick around because this episode, Alina will be interviewing me. So enjoy.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Body Pod. This is our second episode, and last week I shared my story, and this week we're talking to my sister, Justine. So I'm really excited to hear what your story is all about.
1: Yeah, and I will start off by saying that mine is very, very different from yours, but I think that's kind of what's good about us both finding a different way to the intuitive eating conclusion, if you will, is I feel like so many times there's pressures to like do it a certain way. So I kind of wanted to just say that I didn't do that
0: that way. For sure. That's what it's all about. I mean, so many people have wildly different stories, but have all ended up somehow in the same place. So let's get right to it. So what was your first introduction to dieting and diet culture when you were growing up? My first introduction to this
1: world was kind of through my body and through the messages I got about it. So from a really, really young age, I was essentially communicated that my body was not okay One of my earliest memories about this was I was walking with our mother and I was five years old and she mentioned something about eating and how you don't want to get like too chunky or anything. And I then put my hands like on my five-year-old waist and I said, well, what if I just stay this wide and just continue to grow up and up and up and up? And she looked at me and she said, then you'd be the cutest thing ever. And from that point on, I always kind of felt a little monitored and my food was always a little bit watched. And when I think back to like my early, early, early days, I definitely was an inherent intuitive eater, like one bowl of Fruit Loops and I was out the door, like very much ate what I wanted when I wanted. But I felt like all the adults in my life were always telling me like not too much and like watch out for this. And it felt really regulated to me in a weird way to the point where I was never asked, how does this make you feel? It was always just like, watch out, don't eat too much of that, which then communicated to me that there was something about me that needed to be monitored or needed to be fixed, which looking back doesn't make sense to me because looking at old photos, I was never like a bigger kid. I think I just had like a really big appetite but it was always in the back of my brain that smaller equals better or equals like a more good quote unquote kid. And I wanted to be a really good kid. I wanted to be like Miss Stray A's, Miss Good. So that long-winded answer was essentially my first introduction to the dieting world and being small and food being something to be watched. But my real first introduction to dieting which you mentioned in your interview, was my idea as an impressionable 12-year-old who just wanted to be skinny to make somebody else happy and to be seen as good and pretty. I saw these colorful advertisements for Nutrisystem on TV because I watched Oprah every day at 4 p.m. on Channel 5 but the Marie Osmond Nutrisystem commercials were on. And I was like, that's so easy. Like I can just lose weight by eating food that somebody else makes for me. And I asked our mom to be put on it and she let me, which was not her fault. It's something I'd completely asked for, but mm-hmm. that was my first diet. Do you remember those awful chocolate cakes on that diet? That was the exact, yes. That was the exact thing I was gonna bring up is oh my God. we got choices. like you could choose what desserts you wanted, and I chose
0: these microwavable chocolate cakes. And weren't they made of like soy or something? I don't even remember. I just know they were gross. And it, we always ended up adding sugar to them. they like sprinkled sugar on top. <laughs> they gave us a teaspoon of peanut butter a day. Oh my god, even thinking about that now,
1: I'd put my peanut butter on my cake.
0: Oh, I don't even remember the peanut butter. Oh, that was like the treat
1: of the day was you could get one teaspoon of a fat. system was wild. Yeah. But during that time, I was, again, always type A, always trying to do the best. So I stuck to that to like the T. And that was when I first got my gym membership was age 13. And I would go and do one cycling class back to back with a body pump class at age 13, which is wild to me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even remember a lot of this stuff. Is that at Club Fitness? Yeah. Club Fitness. And our mom and I would go this was during the summer and I had this whole plan and this will be a theme in my story. The whole plan was to go away for the summer and come back beautiful and skinny. And so we'd, I think it was the nine o'clock spin class and the 10 o'clock body pump. And I had knee problems as a 13 year old because of those body pump classes. Wow. Yeah. So I I didn't know it at the time because it felt easy because it was just like manipulating your food for the first time always feels easy. But I was really depleting my body right when it was growing the most. And I will remember, so we were only allowed to be on Nutrisystem for like two months or three months, super short amount of time. But I remember the first day off of it, I had done my research on how to get off of it. And when I say research, I mean, I found on the internet that I was only supposed to eat 1200 calories a day. But I remember when I first went off of it, do you remember those tiny dishes we had in our kitchen the little ramekins yeah yeah so i'd eat ice cream out of ramekins um it was my favorite thing to do and i still eat ice cream out of very small bowls because i feel <laughs> dainty but i remember the first day off of nutrisystem i got a little bit of chocolate ice cream in a ramekin and i was like oh this is so good and then i got another cup and another cup mm. and another cup and i didn't know it then but looking back now, that's the first time I could identify my intuitive relationship with food being completely gone. Mm -hmm. That was what started me off in eighth grade. And that is super, super young to have manipulated my food that way and also gone into diet culture that deep, but it worked. And I think we both lost the weight we wanted to. And I immediately got the compliments from my peers, which is Frustrating thinking back now, but it makes total sense. And that began my body yo-yo, which is what I want to call it. And it also began like a very weird relationship with any kind of food. So eighth grade started with me having like a teeny bit of oatmeal and then a Nature Valley bar for lunch. It was just all about trying to eat as little as possible. And I don't know what happened that year, other than my body kicking in to save me because I was essentially starving Mm -hmm. that year. I started feeling this robotic need to get food and to eat food and to have a dinner, but then more food. And I can never really identify my first binge, but I do remember I gained back all the weight I had lost. And then comes the adolescent shame. I tied so much of my worth to having successfully like gotten skinnier. My body weight catapulted up, which only made me punish myself more because I had no idea what was going on in my subconscious. I had no idea what was going on in my body's survival mode. So I just thought this was a personal failing. And at that time, we were pummeled with all these messages, these unattainable messages, like The Biggest Loser was a show I watched all the time. Right. Yeah. I remember that. And it was it was my favorite show, which is awful to think about looking back. But if somebody lost five pounds in a week, they were like, oh, it's a bad week. So to me, that was my introduction to weight loss and thinner is better and diets are better. And it just made me think that as I was regaining weight and as I was desperately trying to control my food, yet still somehow feeling like this need and this urge and this insatiable want for food, the more I failed, the harder I was on myself and the more restrictive I became. And that obviously, led to people around me being concerned. And I interpreted that concern as them telling me that I was failing or incompetent or wrong. So what I know now is that eighth grade was kind of my first time overeating to refeed my body. And that quickly spiraled into binge eating disorder when I reached my high school years.
0: I didn't see any of this, and part of that is that I've just generally been kind of an oblivious person to things that are happening, even in my own household. But I didn't see any of this, and I wish I would have. So were you conscious of trying to keep it from us or your friends or anything like that? Well, that's crazy
1: to me, because in my mind, I thought everyone knew. I thought everyone could see how weird I was being around this stuff. I just thought the spotlight was on me, um, which made me even more ashamed. So the fact that you didn't know, I find crazy because like, Elena, the diet foods I stuffed our house with. And like when we get older, there's definite moments where I know you knew. Yeah, In eighth grade and ninth grade, like sugar-free jello packets were my jam. I told mom not to buy ice cream in like full cartons, but in like those tiny little cups.
0: Mm-hmm. The only thing I remember was that you ate yogurt with a fork. That was the only weird thing I remember. And you were like, I just don't like the texture.
1: Yeah. So, well, it is true that I don't like the texture of yogurt and I think yogurt's disgusting. And I have been (laughs) blessed with never having to eat yogurt again because I don't want to. Um, Nice. Thank you, intuitive eating. But it was always touted as like a sweet, healthy alternative snack. And I would eat it with our tiny little cocktail forks that had three prongs and it would take me like two and a half hours to get through one carton of yogurt. Yeah. So I think it started off as something that I wasn't necessarily trying to hide, but I was trying to control. Mm -hmm. And then it quickly catapulted into something I couldn't control.
0: How did that transition happen?
1: I entered high school and I'm going to go through like phases using college and high school. But I entered high school trying to use every summer as like the opportunity to lose weight and come back as a success story. And every week I had a new plan and it always revolved around calorie counting because I had the internet, which was a wealth of information, but also quickly the key to my demise because the internet made me think that I could just do all these wild things. And I was Way over-educated in nutrition, but also over-manipulated by the promises of fad diets. And I was just always looking for that quick fix. So on the internet, I discovered exercise purging, for example. I discovered water fasting, which we will get to. Oh my God. And then later, real purging. By this time, just to catch everybody up, this is like mid-high school, my binges consisted of probably about like 4,000 calories in a sitting. Jeez. So what it felt like is I would eat like practically nothing all day and then we'd come home and I'd be in a situation where I couldn't really control what was being served for dinner. So dinner would happen and then I'd want dessert and then I'd want something else 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 and and I would just keep bringing snacks up to my room. And I don't remember this in that much detail and it didn't happen all that much. I'd say like the weekends, it happened a lot. It was definitely like an issue with overeating that I thought was just my lack of self-control when really it was me being so restrictive throughout the week. And also what I didn't know in high school, and you'll know about this too. What I didn't know is like restricting and binging in such extreme ways, it messes up your blood sugar levels and it triggers these emotional roller coasters So I was constantly sad or angry or stressed and I couldn't communicate why because I didn't know why. And I remember walking through like the hallways of our high school one time and I just felt like there was a layer of fog that detached me from the rest of the world.
0: Oh my God.
1: Because I hadn't eaten in three days, but it was just a mixture of depression and detachment. And all of this, I can kind of now say was like a trickle down effect of me feeling like I just had to be skinny. Mm-hmm. And I know I can't like
0: attribute everything to my not taking care of myself, but I do attribute a lot to it. Yeah, it makes total sense that that kind of behavior would have some kind of effect on your body. And you know, I had issues with our family. I had issues with our
1: parents. And a lot of that came from I felt like their concern for me in that instance was them judging me. And that's an adolescent like teenager problem. I was just like in a shame spiral all the time. And I just took it out on them. And I'll always regret that. I'll always regret that my striving for them to be proud of me led me to lash out at them. Yeah. I want to touch on everything in high school because I do believe it leads into college and after. So I was at this point where I pretty much was yo-yoing between like the same 10 and 15 pounds, but I was much happier with myself when I was down and I was much more hard on myself when I was up. And I was definitely like playing the system of weighing myself every day and seeing what could manipulate the scale. So exercise purging happened because one day I had eaten 2,000 calories by 10 a.m. Also, I tracked calories religiously, like from after going off of Nutrisystem to age 23, I could tell you how many calories I ate per day, every day, binge or no binge. Wow. So this was one Saturday, I think, and I had eaten 2,000 calories by 10 a.m. because, you know, your girl was hungry. Right. And we had this elliptical in our basement and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a fresh start. I'm going to start today and I'm just going to work this off. And so I then made a rule that the elliptical told you how many calories you burned, but I didn't trust that. I mean, it is a fake
0: number, I think.
1: It totally is. But in my head, I just, I was like, oh, that's way overestimated. So I'll have to work off twice the amount of calories on the elliptical that I ate that day. And then all is forgiven.
0: Oh my God. Um, I
1: would watch like two movies in a row on that thing. And then I was like, I'm good. You know? Wow. I can't believe you didn't know any of this.
0: Well, I remember some of the exercise stuff. Like I once tried to watch a movie while I was on the exercise bike that we had. Cause I was like, I think Justine has done that. And I chose Benjamin Button, which is a really long movie. <laughs> um, so by like 30 minutes in, I was like, Oh God. And then I realized the movie had like two and a half more hours to go. And I was like, Nope, that's also a boring movie. <laughs> yeah. No offense, Brad Pitt. I know. But generally I really didn't notice a lot of this stuff. And I think some of it was cause I was in and out. Like I was a very busy high mm-hmm. schooler and some of this would have been when I was in college too. So I really just am kicking myself for being oblivious.
1: No, I I definitely tried to hide it as much as I could. It was really the the knowledge of what was going on was mainly between mom and myself, because um, she definitely she definitely knew, and all she did was care about me. But I just kept seeing that as her telling me I was embarrassing or you know a bad kid, and I I just. I felt so judged, but that judgment was coming from myself, and I know that now. And at that time, like, I didn't know what binges were. I just felt, like, robotically driven to food. I remember, like, sometimes being in front of the pantry and not knowing how I got there. And as a kid, that's, like, scary. Yeah. And it's just scary to feel that out of control, and I was doing everything to stay in control. So at some point during high school, and this is where things get dangerous, and I will clarify how dangerous they are later. But at some point during high school, I discovered what purging was and how to do it.
0: You just found that on the internet somewhere?
1: So I was obsessed with YouTube, and this will come back later. I would watch shows about food, like super Size versus skinny. And then the YouTube algorithm would recommend like eating disorder documentaries to me. Oh, so... I knew that girls made themselves throw up like that was a common fact. And I will say I've never been able to like stick a finger down my throat and throw up like that's just my gag reflex doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm ever like confessing this because this used to be my biggest secret. Um, Laxative abuse was something that I tried Mm. and found relative success in and success. I mean, it made me feel better. Mm. I think I'm just going to go for this now. There are so, so many uh, dangers of purging this way. And I just want to start off by saying that there are no benefits to this whatsoever. And if you're looking for more information on this, Lisa Haim from She Writes the Well Necessities blog, we'll link her in the podcast description. She has a great three-part series about the dangers of laxative abuse. Basically, a laundry list of issues. It can cause dependence as a stimulant. It can increase your risk for colon cancer. It will also permanently damage and inflame your digestive system, wipe out any good bacteria from your microbiome, um, as well as severely (laughs) dehydrate you. I'm listing this out because you need to hear it. Severely dehydrate you, malnourish you. In the process, it will take years to recover from this time of abuse. So in my story... Please know that this is something that I am so glad I've recovered from and it is in no way anything that anybody should be trying for the purpose of feeling better about their stomach. Mm -hmm. Okay. Rant over. (laughs) Okay. So I discovered that in high school and I tried it out in high school, but also like I only had access to what we had in the house. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you remember, we went on one Disney World vacation where I puked in front of the Magic Kingdom Castle. Oh, I thought it was the one. No, I don't remember this. Okay. Well, I was a sophomore in high school. We went on vacation. I puked in front of the Magic Kingdom Castle and everybody thought I was just sick. And it's not true. It's because I ate expired laxatives that our mother had. Oh
0: my God. Yeah.
1: Wow. And that was just all to be thin. There was really no other motive behind that. That was a that was a um, really horrible thing that happened in high school. But luckily, since I was in my parents' house, I couldn't do what I wanted to do then.
0: Was that like a wake-up call or was it just kind of part of the deal?
1: Um, there are so many parts of my story. And I talk about it so relaxed right now. But believe me, it's taken me years to process through it. But there are so many times that I should have taken them As warning signals or red flags or alerting moments, and I ignored them all because I wanted to be skinny more than anything else.
0: Mm, mm -hmm.
1: And I will say this whole entire time through purging, binging, exercise addiction, exercise abuse, I was in what was considered, for my age and my height, a overweight body. So to me, I. Was still something that needed to be fixed. And I wasn't sick enough to be considered somebody with an eating disorder. I ignored everything
0: that right now I see as really scary because I needed to be thin. Right. What was the next thing after that? Um,
1: so the next thing was just since I couldn't purge the way I wanted to, I decided to try, as I mentioned before, water fasting. So senior year was a lot of me starting off Mondays just trying not to eat. And then by Thursday, you know how we had senior service? Mm -hmm. For the listeners, senior service was like senior volunteer day on Thursdays. But I remember it was just a cycle of I would not eat Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But then by Thursday, I'd come home from senior service and I would eat the entire kitchen.
0: You wouldn't eat for three days? Yeah, I was water fasting.
1: And in my head, I was watching this YouTuber who did a 40-day water fast. And she was like my queen. And I was like, oh my God, she's so healthy. She's talking about how her skin is glowing on day 10. And like she had videos for every day of her water fast. So every Monday I'd be like, okay, I'm really going to water fast this time. Mm. And it wreaks havoc on your brain. For sure. You need to eat food to be a functioning human being. That was senior year of high school. And I do remember it made me draw away from everything in my life. Like I was doing horribly academically, horrible with friendships. And since I was starving myself, that month leading up to graduation of high school I binged every single day and that was just my body's like natural response and I remember coming to graduation rehearsal and somebody being like oh my god people have been like wondering where have you been and I was like great awesome oh I wish I just like I wish I was dead this is the worst and um I walked across our high school graduation stage the heaviest I've ever been and also thinking to myself like this can't be it you know this can't be what life is yeah yeah all I wanted to like be was like a success and for people to be proud of me. Little did I know I'd have five more years of this to go. Um, so I guess I'll pivot to college. <laughs> yeah. I'm going into so much detail on these stories because I want anybody listening out there who maybe has something similarly like this dark and, I guess, twisty, I want them to know that they're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. So going into college, I was... Treating that summer, of course, is like, I'll get skinny for summer. That didn't happen. (laughs) And I went into college, like, really kind of with my self-confidence in the tanks. And also not to mention, I got a roommate who was fat phobic, so that was really
0: fun. Oh, I remember there were roommate troubles. Roommate troubles that were
1: equally my fault, but also she would always talk about her overweight brother and would tell stories where I definitely knew that he had binge eating issues too. And it's really hard to know that somebody there is judging you. So she was not a nice lady. I started off college with the plan. I was like, oh, it'll be so easy to lose weight. Boys and booze diet, you know? I'll just eat at the dining hall once a day and be like good the rest of the day. And that is not how that worked. My binges got worse and then I was actually able to start abusing laxatives the way I wanted to and start purging the way I wanted to. And the whole time I was in a larger body size. So I was getting the same stigma of just being overweight without the benefit of anybody reaching out to ask if I was sick or if I needed help. Mm -hmm. And I knew there was something wrong. I knew there was something wrong with me, but I wasn't interpreting it as something I should ask for help about.
0: I just interpreted it as my fault. At that point, and you're seeing these eating disorder documentaries and stuff, did you ever see the part about getting help and identify with needing that kind of help? I did not think that I had an eating disorder. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought I
1: was a girl on a diet who couldn't stick to the plan. And the purging, I just just didn't see it as a problem. It felt like, like oh, I don't throw up my
0: food. I totally hear that. If you're not fitting into the exact archetype of what an eating disorder is, then it doesn't apply to me. I felt the same way about disordered eating. I was like, no, it's just a diet. I also
1: feel like when we were dieting, there was so little, or maybe we just hadn't discovered it yet, but there was so little information on disordered eating, right? It was all eating disorders, which as I'm sure you know, like very, very few people have eating disorders, but a ton of people have disordered eating, right? So I feel like that's where I fell into that category. But at the time I was just like, I'm just a girl who fails at her diet. And that quickly like, became my whole identity it was that insecurity with myself and that obsession with food. And it kind of kept me at arm's length from the college experience for the first year or so. I was afraid of going out because getting drunk would lead to a binge. But I also didn't want to stay in. But if I stayed in, I could control what I eat. And then it was that whole mess. And my self-worth was so caught up with my weight at that time. It was a really tricky time in college and I don't want to say it was dark all the time because I did have a good college experience, but this was a secret that I had to hide from everyone. And I wish it wasn't this way, but the one thing that kind of helped me get a grip was I went away to LA for a summer. And since I was alone in LA, I had no friends. I had nothing to do. I was just like, I'm going to get healthy. Um, meanwhile, I was binging the entire time, but I managed to lose like a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. My self-worth was so tied up in what I looked like. My self-confidence like skyrocketed. But the issue is that as I came back to college, I got the compliments. My confidence was like sky high. But then my number one priority became maintaining that weight. So before when it hadn't been there, my exercise abuse came back. And it came back hard. I was still suffering with binges. I'd say to give you a schedule of my binges, I'd probably like five days a week be really good and two days a week have horrendous binges and then feel the need to recover. And it's just Mm -hmm. a cycle like that. But the binges got super, super bad when I came back from LA. And the next summer when I interned somewhere else, I was slowly starting to gain back the weight and I was so 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 scared that I would go to my internship during the day and then I got a gym membership and I'd go and I'd run for as long as I can and to date I can't run anymore because I have such a bad relationship with the treadmill and running. Mm And I think that's something wonderful that being intuitive with my body has told me is that I never ran for joy. I ran for punishment and uh, I would do crazy things. And I know we don't like to do numbers here, but I would call it the 100-minute workout where I would run for 100 minutes. Yeah, that was me trying to purge through another facet. And I really couldn't get a grip on everything. And I'm probably going to edit this out because it's getting really long-winded. I'm sorry. I just, I felt like I was just striving and striving and striving to get somewhere and I couldn't get there. But then senior year of college, I was like, okay, you're getting a little ridiculous. Let's start a sustainable gym routine. And this is where I'm going because this has actually kind of helped me find intuitive eating. I'm getting there. I promise. No, you're good. It's all about the journey. All about the journey. But senior year of college, I was like, okay, I'm actually going to start weightlifting. This sounds like the the workout for me. And I introduced myself to learning how to weightlift and learning that world through YouTube videos. And one of the YouTubers I followed is Josie Mai. She was big back in like 2015, 2016. She has since stopped influencing, which is crazy and awesome but she was talking about intuitive eating and at that time i was calorie counting desperately trying to maintain this tiny weight loss and i was like oh intuitive eating interesting like she lifted at the gym she would show her what i eat in the days and they were intuitive eating based and i was like that's cool so i read the book and i was like i completely get it but it's
0: not for me i need to be skinny (laughs) I feel like that is a pretty common reaction to the book. I thought the same thing for a while. Like, oh, well, I'll just diet until I'm in my correct body and then I'll do intuitive eating.
1: Exactly. I was like, this makes so much sense. And the one thing I kind of took away from it was eat whatever you want but I still calorie counted everything. Mm-hmm. So I kind of quasi-intuitive eated. it. I, I gave it one shot in college where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to intuitive eat and I was using it to lose weight because I was like, if I'm allowed everything, then I won't want anything. And I ended up having three slices of pizza for breakfast and decided to go back to calorie counting. <laughs> so um, that was my first introduction to intuitive eating. And I did my whole I lost weight for senior year spring break. I just kept my cycle up and I graduated College with sky high self-confidence because somehow after years and years and years, I had manipulated my body to where I wanted it to be. But I still had all my demons of binges, purges, and the emotional impact of that. And I knew intuitive eating was out there. I was just like, no, no, don't need it. And so right after college, two days after college, I moved to New York City because I had to start my job three days after graduating. And that was fun. Slept on an air mattress and quickly adopted the booze and boys diet so that was just another level of bad um, because i was having beer for dinner and then binging on the weekends and purging and even when i did get into a serious relationship in new york i kept it a secret from him and it impacted our relationship like i couldn't spend more than one night at his place on the weekends because you know I had my food stuff to worry about yeah there were some nights where he wanted to hang out and i didn't cuz i had to be good and recover and and during our relationship I realized I was like okay I'm I'm done I need to be free of binges. However, I did not make the connection yet that binges are a cause of restriction. I just thought binges were binges. I thought they were their own thing. And so I dabbled in being binge free. So that first year out of college, I gave myself a goal. I was like, I just want to be binge free. And so I like made a note in my phone of like all the benefits of it and would read that whenever I felt an urge. And I would like make a calendar marking off the days and I, I did a really long streak. But then I was like, okay, I'm ready to get skinny. And I had a week where I just deprived myself and it ended with a binge. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. How could I do that? And I would search for resources everywhere on how to stop binging, but it just felt like this pipe dream for me. Girls would be like, I haven't binged in a year. And I would be like, how? Mind you, at this time, I have been... Binging and restricting for nine years. Wow. So this is all I ever knew. Mm -hmm. And I would cry. I would beat myself up. I remember, oh God, um, if I'm going into my darkest moments, I remember like taking a shower after a binge and like grabbing my stomach so hard to like you could see the indents from my nails and being like why have you forsaken me and then in terms of purging I remember just like waking up in cold sweats thinking like is this the time that I should call the hospital like is this the time this will kill me and so it's just it was nine years of Everything being so dark. And again, I don't want to say that my whole life was dark because I've had a great life. And outside of this, I had amazing friends and a wonderful social life and like a really interesting like career path. But behind it all was this huge secret that was pervasive and on my mind. So I got to this point where I was like, I need, I need to stop. And so after I ended my first relationship my first adult relationship outside of college i had a really really dark summer and i'm not blaming that on the dating thing it was just a dark summer in terms of feeling kind of lost with where my career was going and where my life was going classic quarter life crisis so what i did know was that i would feel better if i controlled my body and that got to really bad binges. And I was also like in this weird like gym rat space because ever since senior year of college, I was lifting weights five days a week. And I will always say that that is my favorite form of activity. I love it so much, but it puts on this weird pressure of like protein powder and L-carnitine tablets. So I was also deep in that. I was just
0: primed to be
1: struggling with my body during
0: that time. Did the gym lifting and stuff, did you ever get injured from that? I feel like I remember some kind of like back injury or something.
1: Yeah, I injured my back actually during that time. And I've had a few leg injuries that I've healed from really quickly recently, um, probably because I've been eating enough and resting. But at the time, my back injury was during a time where I was doing a lot of deadlifts and eating only a thousand calories a day. That'll do it. That'll do it. And that was during this like weird summer. Mm -hmm. I will remember my aha moment. Not my aha moment. My last binge. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk about this. Was either September 2nd or 3rd of 2017. I really could not tell you. My house was just chock full of protein powder, veggies, gross stuff. And I would eat this vegan protein powder. I'd literally take like a scoop and put a little bit of water in it until it was like pudding consistency and I'd call it my protein frosting. And I binged 2,000 calories of protein frosting. And that particular binge I knew I was just depleted I was done and luckily that was my last binge ever congratulations thank you (laughs) I treated it for a long time like being sober I got one of those apps in your phone where you can like track the time so I treated it like that because I was really proud of it But I had known about intuitive eating, and around that time, I would tell people, like, I'm an intuitive eater, but I track what I eat. So that was in my brain, but what really helped me stop binging was this book, Brain Over Binge.
0: Yes. Have you heard of it? I read it. Isn't it great? Not to throw mom under the bus, but she said, I've been reading this book because Justine said it really helped her. Maybe you should read it too, just so that you kind of understand her a little bit more. And I read it. Yeah. And that book also inspired me to want to create
1: a podcast like this because the most powerful part of that book is when she describes her binges at the beginning. And I just wanted to give that book to everybody and be like, this is me. This is why I'm, I've been such a bitch. <laughs> like, mm. this is how I felt. This is how out of control I was. And so I told our mom, I was like, like if you want to understand what I went through and my recovery and why my recovery is so precious to me, read this book. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you read it. (laughs) Okay. So since you know what it's about, I'll give the notes of your brain and how binges work. Essentially, this book finally explained to me that my binging was not my fault, which was a huge revelation to me. And it also explained how your brain works surrounding binges and that they don't have to be tied to some like deep seated emotional issue. Because I was always trying to find the other issue. I was like, oh, I binged because I'm distraught or I binged because I'm bored or like I was always looking for that. But this book just told me like, no, you binged because it's a habit. So in the book, it says that when you are malnourished, your subcortical brain, which includes the hypothalamus, often known as like the animal impulse part of your brain, that will send really intense signals to the involuntary action section of your brain, which is what drives that need for food and which is what drives you to need to refeed yourself. So it's not your fault. It's literally your hypothalamus. Um, And then as you grow older and continue the binging habit, which is inherently rewarding because of dopamine chemicals and also because you're allowing yourself to have foods that you weren't allowed to have, neurons in your brain start to connect their pathways to make it a habit to binge or to have the urge to binge. So that makes your brain want to perform this behavior again and again and again because you're getting
0: reward signals for it. To me, that was insane. Like that was revolutionary. What actionable steps were you taking after that last binge to not do it again? That's
1: where I started my slow, slow burn into intuitive eating, like truly intuitive eating. That made me realize like I have to start eating enough. Just Mm -hmm. period. Like I can't restrict and be binge free. So I still tracked my food, but I always ate over 2000 calories a day. Nice. That was super important. And then the second part of that action step was once I was eating enough, I had to learn to sit with those uncomfortable urges that I have to binge and know that those are just habits in my brain and I need to rewire those. And I make it sound like it was super easy. It was super hard. I look back on my journals and I would write like 10 days binge free. I had like the biggest intense urge to binge today, but I didn't. And I'm so proud of myself. And so it was a lot of that. And it's different for me in how I segued into intuitive eating because my one goal was not to binge. To me, that didn't mean not overeat. I did a lot of that. But it meant don't go to a grocery store and buy seven packs of chips one carton of ice cream and one personal pizza to eat yourself. Because I would do that so much for a binge. So for me, it was like, don't make this binging event. That's all you need to do. And that started my recovery process. And also my next action step was I stopped eating what I would call quote unquote weird foods. And my rule there Mm -hmm. (laughs) is if our grandma would look at it and be like, what? Then I wasn't eating it. Case in point protein pancakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of like other weird diety foods, like Quest bars, you know, mac and cheese, mm-hmm. totally on the table because grandma would recognize it. Quest bars, no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. And so I ended up just eating really well and finally fueling my body. But this is where things get sticky. Because I was still working out adequately fueling my body, but not binging, I was still really active, but I was still kind of tracking and I wasn't binging anymore, my net average for the week went down naturally. And somehow I, I was still weighing myself every now and then. Somehow I ended up at my evasive goal weight from adolescence. Because when I was in seventh grade, I was my same height I am now. So I've had this pretty similar build. But that was something that I A, never thought would happen. Be never intended to happen. See when it did happen, I was like, this is it. This is what I was waiting for. (laughs) Because as a kid, I thought, oh my God, I'll look like a model then or I'll be perfect then. And I was like, I'm the same.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's shocking, isn't it?
1: Super shocking. And the other downside is I lost my period when that happened. I think you'll remember a while back when I was kind of going through this, it was like weird quasi, I called myself an intuitive eater. I would preach that gospel, but I was also tracking my calories and my food. And I I told you, I was like, I think I'm below my set point because I had all this knowledge from the intuitive eating, mm-hmm. but I didn't have my reproductive system working and it just, it was there, but it wasn't all there. And this was also like nine, 10 months after my last binge, like this whole journey was a slow burn of me just gradually learning more and more about my body, gathering more and more confidence in just what my body is supposed to look like. And so that gave me the feeling of safety to weight restore um, and gain back a few more pounds and know that that's what I needed to get back a reproductive cycle, which, if I'm being completely honest, I'm still not completely consistent there. And that's something that my doctor and I are working on. But it's like one of those side effects of dieting that no one would ever assume that somebody who looks like they're in a quote unquote normal body would have hypothalamic amenorrhea. You know, it's just stuff like that that doesn't get talked about. And I think it needs to be talked about. And going back to like this calorie counting, because I calorie counted for probably my first year and a half of recovery. And I was in quasi-recovery for
0: sure, because I was still monitoring what I ate. Part of that is this crutch that you need after so many years of saying that there have to be rules. I feel like it's kind of a justified transition out.
1: I was listening to your story last week and I was thinking, If I would have dived straight into intuitive eating, I don't think I could have sustained it. I was just scared shitless. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of kept tracking partly because it was a habit, but also it was a security blanket in a way. But I will say the one good thing is seeing the numbers as like a highly analytical person like myself. It made me realize that my body does know itself in a way that I could not. Ooh, I love that. It's weird, but MyFitnessPal will break things down for, and that's the one I used. Don't get any ideas, anybody out there. <laughs> <laughs> but MyFitnessPal will break down like your averages over the week. And so one day I'd be like, I'm hella hungry. And you know I'd eat a ton of food with no shame and no guilt because... I was letting myself intuitively eat, but then I'd see that that day just like averaged out my days. I was craving certain things because I was kind of short on that for a period of time. And even using that as a crutch, I felt such a renewed sense of trust in what my body knows because I was seeing it in the numbers.
0: Yes, I was just going to say trust. That's like the biggest thing for me has been learning that trust. And I'm still on that path of figuring out whether or not I can trust my body. But most of the time I really do. And I think that whatever way you need to get there, whether it's seeing the numbers or meditating before you eat, I feel like there are so many different ways that you can reach that conclusion. And that is the one that worked for you.
1: A hundred percent. And I I agree it's different for everybody, but for me, that was kind of just an unintentional side effect of that. But through this time, I was preaching the intuitive eating gospel to my friends, not overtly. I stepped away from like diet culture in a very averse way. I was like, I don't want to talk about it. Like I didn't want to do diet culture at work. I didn't want to talk about it with my friends. I was like, can't we just enjoy this food for what it is? It was kind of just like the topic of diets was annoying to me because I felt like my recovery was so precious. But one of my friends did tell me, she was like, I'm going to start counting my macros because she was newly getting into fitness. And counting my macros was a senior year of college Justine game. And so I told her, I was like, you know, I'm an intuitive eater. I did counting macros and it's like really hard and like you do you, but like, I don't want you to mess up your relationship with food. So I said that, but I was still tracking my calories and like I still used my app all the time. And so I told her that one time, but then a few weeks later we were out at dinner and I'd always guesstimate dinners. Like if we were in a Mexican restaurant, I'd like guesstimate in my app and she was sitting next to me and she looked and she was like, oh, I thought you don't track anymore. Completely innocent question and completely like no ill intent behind it. But I was like, oh, yeah. I'm a huge hypocrite. (laughs) Or not even a huge hypocrite, but I was like, yeah, like that doesn't make sense. If I believe everything that intuitive eating says, and I believe what people say when they say you can eat to trust your body and you don't need to count your intake. And I do. Like, I truly believe when people have these kind of like your story, when they have like these phases where they, refeed themselves and they limit their restriction that they'll be able to find their perfect place of homeostasis. So I was like, if I believe that for everybody else, why don't I believe it for myself? Mm, Yeah. And that's kind of where I am today. I gave up my app. And for the first couple of months, it was really hard because I was always in my head, Mm -hmm. counting in my head. And then I realized I just got to like chill. And I still have really, really bad days. Bad days being like, oh man, I shouldn't have eaten that much. Is it going to ruin everything? Then I have to think, what is everything? and then i have really really good days where i can like enjoy everything and know that i completely trusted my body and just feel so at peace in that fact and um quarantine's kind of thrown me for a loop i had a little blip of is it going to ruin my body being quarantined and then i realized ruin is such a term that i'm bringing back from diet culture totally and there's no way to ruin your body other than you know breaking your back like i almost did at the gym <laughs> Yeah, so I think that was just a really windy, twisty way of me saying that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It just took me three years of recovery, one year of quasi-recovery, two years of active work, and nine years before that of a very
0: twisty, diety road. Yeah. It's twisty and windy for everybody, I think, in its own way. And I think that this has been really eye-opening for me. Obviously, I've learned so much and I'm just really proud of you (laughs) and where you got to today. I was kind of nervous to share that, but I'm glad you get it. Yeah, I totally do. We want to end with saying one thing that you would tell your younger self. So what is
1: that? So I know we were going to ask this and I thought about it a lot. I wish I could tell 12-year-old me that she knows herself better than she thinks she does and her worth is in no way tied to her body size, what she looks like and how the world perceives her. Her worth is tied to her character and oh god, I just wanted to know that her worth is not in how she looks and it never will be. And, I don't know if she'd listen to me because I
0: was I was a little, little sassy, but that's what I wish I could say. I love that. I think that is a beautiful message and she might not have listened to you, but if you planted the seed, mm-hmm. I think it would have grown. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Selena. Thanks for listening
1: and understanding.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing it. I know it's a nerve wracking thing to do, but it's totally important. I hope that just like you hearing the stories in Brain Over Binge, somebody will hear your story and it will help them.
1: Well, next week, I think we're
0: going to have another story. Is that right? That's right. And when I say next week, I mean two weeks from now, but who is it? It's my friend, Kristen. She's one of my besties and she is my fellow intuitive eating warrior. She's really killing it. And I'm excited to hear more about her story and have her share it with the world. Awesome.
1: Okay. Well, until then to everybody listening, stay happy stay healthy, be kind to yourself, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye! The Body Pod is produced by Elena Dorn and Justine Dorn. Our artwork is by Elena Creative and our editing is by Justine Dorn. Our music is by Songs. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Body Pod.